Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. I'm excited to have Josh Bartlett. He's the Managing Director of the Mortgage Advice Bureau in Australia. Um, welcome, Josh. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, well, very excited you, to be here today. Yeah. Well, you've been amongst the top brokers. I think you you got to a top ranking of number three in the country. Is, is that um, a couple of years ago? Is that the... Absolutely. The, Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, we're really honoured to have you and to really be picking your brain in terms of, you know, your journey over the last 10 years. So tell me a bit about that journey. How did you sort of get into um, the business and, and where you're at today? Yeah, so I started, um, well, it was, it's been 10 years, 10 years nearly to the month now um, that I've been here, but I was a owner of a gym for probably, I think it was about 11 or 12 years we, ha- we had a gym. Um, and I was just very interested in buying and selling property at the time. My wife's a, an ex-real estate agent. She was in real estate for, say, 15 to 20 years. So um, loved it's, I always loved the real estate piece um, and had met a lot of mortgage brokers along the way. Um, and, you know, there was some good ones and bad ones. And I thought, hang on a second, I think this might be my next role moving forward. So sold my gym and um, four or five months later, I was into mortgage broking. Yeah, wow. So, you know, obviously starting a business from scratch, not having any, um, you know, background in finance or credit, what were some of the, the, the challenges that you had early on? Man, there was many challenges. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing. It, it's so funny. A lot of people say there's there was challenges and there was similarities. To be honest, so everyone was like one one week. Honestly, I was standing in front of a treadmill, to, you know, making someone run on a treadmill and do push ups, and and then and, and I remember three or four weeks later, I was sitting in someone's lounge room talking to them about loans, etc. Um, so it was a, it was crazily challenge. It was challenging that way. And then I, you know, I didn't know what an LVR meant. I didn't know what genuine savings meant. So the challenges there were huge now. And especially when you don't have a customer base either. So all I knew was talking to, I remember chatting to my wife and it was all, you know, real estate agents are rah, 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 and making sure that you're making a lot of phone calls. And I went, you know what, the only thing I can do is pick up that phone and just start making calls to people. So I was lucky enough in my training days that I trained a few real estate agents. So I probably got a bit of a leg up of as soon as I came out of the gym, they gave me an opportunity to work within their team. So that obviously helped my situation of, you know, getting some people to work with, but I was working with real estate agents as a new broker, had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) So how did you go in your first year in broking? In my my first financial year, um, I think I settled near 50 mil. I think it was 57 mil in my first year. Wow. So, you know, I, I think, and it was probably back in the days where you you probably didn't need a mentor. You definitely need a mentor now. So I don't I don't suggest anyone do that because it's quite dangerous. I was so dedicated to, like, every time I met a client and spoke to a client, obviously it would take me hours and hours and hours and hours to figure out where to place it. Um, now, I, I think that stood me, at, that really helped me out because I didn't have a person or a mentor sitting next to me that I could say, what's the answer to this? What's the answer to this? And just ask a question and get the answer. You know, the, this bank will do it and that's why they will do it. I would call seven different banks. I would talk to BDMs all day, every day, and just run scenarios. And I, you know, I, I annoyed a lot of them, I'm sure. Um, but you learn, no, we don't do that, Josh. But you know, this bank will do it, and or that bank will do it. So my BDMs helped me out a lot. And you know, it took me. I remember 
you know, I think I was four months in and I lodged eight mil in one month. And four months in, lodging eight mil, like I was an emotional wreck, as you can imagine. (laughs) Um, Didn't know where to place deals, didn't know how to lodge a deal, didn't know how to sign mortgage documents. Um, But it was just activity, 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 activity. And then here I am 10 years later. Yeah. And I love that, that you said that you just started in terms of picking up the phone. And, um, you know, even now I see a lot of brokers that hide behind email and um, don't. The last thing on their to-do list is that prospecting and actually picking up the phone. And they've probably never written $50 million in a year and you did it in your first year. So I love that, you know, the how you did it was picking up the phone and, again, listening to a client's needs, understanding those needs, and then, you know, like a duck, just, you know, really paddling to find out, well, what, what is the solution? And um, I think, you know, that is the key to a lot of the top brokers is it's just that willingness to do whatever it takes to come up with that solution. And, um you know, like, you've done that from early on. You can never find a proper solution without having a proper conversation. You know, I think you're right with emails. People are so, oh, I'm just going to reply to that in an email. Um, I I see an email and I pick up my phone. So it's I, I do probably the opposite to what most people do. As soon as an email comes through with 15 different questions from a client, instead of replying to those 15 questions via an email which again takes 45 minutes, I ring and say, okay, let's just go through this and then I'll follow it up with an email. Definitely, definitely. Um, and, you know, even for your staff, and I found that with, with my staff having such a big team, you know, you, even if they're doing a processing role, no matter if they're sending an email, there's got to be a phone call attached with that email because, you know, guys like myself and, and yourself, I'm sure you're the same, right? If you get an email, you could see it or you could maybe miss it, right? Whereas if you get the email and the phone call, you yep. know it's going to be there. Right. Absolutely. So, and that's actually part of our service level in my office. They know that once they have a file, their number one job is to make a phone call straight away. because, mm-hmm. And then that also elevates them as well. Like it elevates the communication between the client service manager and the client because they they then they can then put a voice to the name as well. Now, when I'm prospecting, I never just make a phone call. Now, you know, some people don't listen to their voicemails. Some people aren't very good with emails. But if you go voicemail, text message, and email, you're covering everything. Mm. You know, and I know. Yeah. I know on my phone, it's funny how clients communicate to us. Sometimes I'm getting messages. Sometimes I'm getting WhatsApps. Sometimes I'm getting emails. Sometimes I'm getting something on Facebook. So the amount of different communication tools that other people use, and we need to realise that when we're prospecting too. You know, how do these people like to be communicated to? And you don't know the client's communication, you know, how they like to be communicated until they become a client. So every time you make a phone call, phone call, text. You know, and I do video call too. So I'll, I'll do a phone call, a text message, an email, follow it up with a video. Exactly. I think, you know, video wasn't something that was around when we sort of started in the business 20 years ago and you 10 years ago. But, you know, this business is all around connecting with people. And video, they get to see so much more of you. And, you know, I encourage a lot of my guys in terms of, you know, even if they're not making that initial phone call and, you know, when we start the business, it's taught to us, hey, you have ha- you have to be the one that makes the initial phone call. But when you're doing the sorts of volumes that I was doing and that you're doing, you might be in back-to-back appointments or in with referral part and you don't, you know, speed to contact is so important. So you might not be able to make that initial contact. So it might be one of your team members doing that. But, you know, to follow it up that evening with a video saying, oh, great, you know, I heard you booked in for your appointment. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in a video. It changes the game, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, people love, I think it's people have communicated so in such a similar way for a long, long time um, that as soon as you put a video around it, people go, okay, I can hear the person's voice. They can see the voice. They can see the face. And they know you've put in some extra effort. Now, if you're putting in that effort just to try and talk to the person, then how much effort are we going to go to once we actually get the application? You know, so it's already showing that you're trying um, and people want someone who's working hard for them. Definitely. It's definitely, it's about that differentiation. And, and you know, I quite often use the analogy, it's like a, you know, a horse in, in a horse race, right? It only needs to win by this much. And so if you put that in the, in the terms of a, the broking perspective, you know, the broker, if he wins by that much, he gets 100% of the commission, all right? The guy that comes second, he, yep. he, he, he gets nothing. He doesn't even get a ribbon, right? That's the first loser. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's these little one percenters that we can do, such as video, that, that is, um, you know, can, can help you win. I love it. So, you know, before we uh, went on air, you, were, you started to talk about, you know, just the growth in your business. So from that first year um, and, and, you know, share your results because you, you sort of rattled them off to me. So without remembering them exactly, it was, I mean, first year was 57 mil. Um, I went 57, 70, 77, 93. You know, it was then uh, 100, then 120, 160 and 200. So, you know, we were talking about, you know, what changes in the business and, and the pressures and the stress of each volume dictates how you actually have to grow your business out. You know, a lot of a lot of brokers that are listening to this podcast today and people come up to me all the time and they say, Josh, I don't want to write 200 mil like you. Now, the one thing I say to people is if you wrote 200 mil and you wrote it easier than you wrote 50 mil, would you want to write 200 mil? You know, and Ross, you would say, well, of course, if I can do 200 mil easier than what I did 50, well, who wouldn't want to write 200 a year? Um, it's just people haven't been through the pressure and the pressure cooker um, to get to that stage. But once you start to write 100 mil, you know, 110, 120, you have to have a support team around you. I remember the second year in, 76 million or something is what I wrote the second year, and I was so emotional, right? I remember getting up on stage and winning an award, and I was nearly in tears because I was that tired. And I remember walking past a couple of other top brokers going, well, they look pretty fresh and I'm just an absolute mess. But they had support, you know. I didn't have support. So I'm standing there at 76 mil and they might have written, you know, 100 mil or 110 and they're writing some big volume. But until you have some support, you can't do this on your own, can you? Oh, definitely not. I mean, you know, how great is it when you initially, you know, make that investment and you get the support and you feel like, you you haven't been busy, but your numbers are actually going like this. And um, when you look at and it's it's a really great feeling, and I'm sure you've probably felt something similar. Sort of when you've got those right people in those right positions, um, that you yeah you do it easy. And so yeah, tell me about some of those challenges that you've had and some of the solutions, whether it be people or systems and processes that you've put into your business? Well, well, first of all, I'd probably say that I was a really bad manager for about two or three years. And I think every, every broker, every good broker, um, they try and hold on to that file and, and manage, micromanage everything, which is what I was in the beginning. I was very much a micromanager. Um, and I think you're a micromanager, especially in this industry, because you it's all about the customer and you care so much about the customer, which is why you micromanage a file so much. Um, and, you know, that obviously stresses out your team. Um, your customer's happy at the other end because you're micromanaging your team, but then your team aren't happy and they don't want to stay with you. Um, so it's it's probably allowing my team to grow and 
and and make mistakes as well. So I'm, you know, not that we love love mistakes, but my team uh, have obviously everyone makes mistakes in my team, and I I encourage them so that we can learn from them. Um, and my team of like they are so passionate, but they are they are so skilled in their own right now. So being honest, like I can't process a file. I don't know how to. Um, haven't done it for a long, long time, but I'm bringing the business in. I'm talking to customers, structuring loans, you know, chatting to customers all day, but I can't be processing a loan at the same time as doing all of that. So we've we've been lucky enough to hire a whole lot of people, lose a whole lot of people and learn what is good inside your business and then start to help those people get better at their job. So my job is just to help my team um, be better and you know over the last couple of years I've, I've especially the last three years I now probably over hire so I've probably got too many people in my business to ensure that we're not under the pump all the time so I would say five or six years ago my office you could probably cut the air with a knife it was that stressful mm-hmm. um, whereas quite quite ironically you can walk into my office and we might be settling 20 mil for the month and everyone's in a good mood no, it's it's amazing. Exactly, exactly, and that is when you know it's it's working. And you know, we used to have team meetings every day, and you know, similar to you, we'd be settling twenty five, thirty mil a month, and um, it just works. You know, it just works, and people are um, yeah, just in in their roles, and and it happens. But then you see. I work with some brokers that are doing three, four mil a month and they're stressed out of their brains, you know, uh, because they're trying to do it all, all themselves and, and they don't have the systems and processes to be able to do that. But um, I love you say that you, you know, that it's easy, it's almost easier to write that because I, I felt the same way and I was able to take six weeks off in my business um, where my phone wouldn't ring, you know, I was able to, you know, do a masterclass where I flew around the, the country talking to the different Aussie franchises. And you know, some of the sales managers were amazed that everything was so under control, right? My phone wasn't going off the hook because yep. you've got the people in your team. They're trained, they understand, and, you know, you're not getting the calls from the lenders. The clients throughout the process aren't coming back to you because yeah. you've empowered team members to do that so what have you found is the best because you've been through you know um staff and you've sort of restructured your team what do you find is the best structure in terms of team members that works for you look so with the client service managers i have right now everyone has their different skill set so i'll probably start with that so i know that when i come across a file there's a particular person in my office that would suit that client better. Um, so you start to put certain clients with certain people so that they they have um, that that skill set matches up. So that's one thing. And I've now had my team the same team for about five years. So um, you know we we continually we up until about two years ago we actually did training every day. You know, so we did training every day so that I could empower them. And when new people came on board that might have worked with another broker, they would keep coming back to me with questions. Now, as a, as a business owner, you've got to usually ask a question from that question. What do you think? Um, and I, if you continually educate people, continually do training, and you continually empower them to answer the question, um, then everyone starts to go, hang on a second, I can do this. And to be honest, and that's what I said to you before, they are also skilled at what they do now. To be honest, they actually know policy probably better than what I do now as well, right? Because they are, they're, they're in the trenches working on that file. So they're, they're policy genius, to be honest. Um, but my job, I'm a sales genius. My job is to bring the sales in and then they do different parts of the business. So it all just works. Um, I, you know, I just, we're talking about, you know, uh, our phone's not ringing. I knew that my, I was starting to become successful when I was sitting in a, in a mortgage-breaking conference 
And when there's a break in that conference and everyone goes outside and they're all on their phone, you know, you see it at a more, <laughs> you know, there's a 15 minute break and everyone is on their phone and they're all stressed. And I'm sitting there with my hands in my pockets going, I've got no one to talk to. Yeah. Because <laughs> my files are, my files are under control. Exactly. I, I, I was exactly the same as you because you know that they don't have that support team in place. You know that they're waiting for the break to call back the credit assessor. Yeah, I used to watch that myself. So that's why I'm laughing here because um, yeah, can can totally relate to being at those PD days or conferences and, and yep. seeing that. So, um, well, let's you know, transition because, you know, let's talk about something that you are a genius at because obviously, you know, you've got a great team and uh, really good processes to handle that side of things. But let's talk about the sales side because this is as, you know, I geek out on sales. I, I, I love it. Um, you know, I can't get enough in terms of reading books and learning about it. And I have all, all the way through my career. Um, and I think, you know, it's at the top line of a, a profit and loss for a reason. Um, and it's something that, that you obviously focus on. So so let's talk about the importance of sales in your business and, um, yeah, how you approach it. I think, well, first and foremost, um, I think my, my personal training background probably stood me in good stead because of the amount of personalities that I used to meet. So... Meet mums and dads, wealthy people, normal people. Um, so it, it allows you to get a read on people a little bit better. So I love sitting in front of someone and trying to figure out who they are. So I do a bit of a, a personality test. So actually, I'll talk to you about my personality test, and then we'll talk about how do I how do I run my numbers for sales. So when someone comes to see me and there's a husband and wife sitting in front of me or all partners, I'll always say zero to 10, 10 being really tight with your money, who are you? Now, it's usually a bit of a, a laughing thing. So, you know, so let's say the husband says, well, I think I'm a nine. And I'll, I'll say to the wife, okay, what do you think he is? And she says, he's an 11. Great. Okay. I already, <laughs> I already know who I'm dealing with, right? And then to the wife, I'll say, okay, who are you? And she, he'll say, well, I think she's a a six or a five, right? And then that that gives me an indication of who do I think is going to be controlling this meeting. Um, and then from what kind of product might suit this 11 out of 10 person because he's a very pluck, okay? Um, so that's a personality test I think is very very good good idea now the one other the one other thing um that as far as me knowing my numbers every single year i sit down i write out what do i want to write what's my average loan size how many people do i have to see every single week what's my conversion rate on seeing those people every week and the numbers just work out okay so i could tell you last year i wanted to write 200 mil I knew that my average loan size was 525,000. I knew that I had to see 18 people per week, lodge 13 deals and settle 400, okay? I wrote those numbers down. Last year, I settled 203 mil, settled 400 loans exactly. Amazing, amazing, isn't it? You know, it's um, so, just that focus. That's all. So my my father-in-law said to me, so he was a financial planner. He said, Josh, our job, we are in the business of getting appointments. That's it. That's our job. It's not getting applications. It's not getting doing deals. It's not refinances. Our job is to get as many appointments as we can. Okay. So if you just focus on appointments every single week, and these are first appointments, not signing documents, or anything like that, and it's not even going out to see real estate referral partners because a lot of a lot of brokers just go, oh well, that's a meeting and that's a meeting, and they they're happy that they've got meetings all day, right? Now, if your job is just to see as many new people every single day, the numbers work out for themselves. Now, if you're sitting in front of eight or nine people every single day, your sales better get very good because otherwise you're just wasting your time. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love this and I want to keep going and exploring this because too many brokers that I see leave sales as the last thing, right? They, they get caught up in the busyness of being busy without the, pro, the focus on being productive and effective. And that's focusing on, you know, exactly what you said in terms of getting people in front of you or the appointments or not even before that in terms of what are the activities that it takes to to actually generate those appointments 100 percent, and that that comes to my other point when i when and again i don't probably don't make as many phone calls right now because once your 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 book is quite big your phone usually rings or your emails you know ping and you don't have to make as many outbound phone calls but my first two years, I used to watch my phone bill. Now, I could probably send you my old phone bill um, in one of my presentations, but I averaged 88 phone calls a day. So one of, my, one of my little sayings is, what's your yesterday phone call list? So a lot of people say, oh, you know, I made, I made phone calls yesterday. And I'll, I always say to, say to real estate agents, so when I go out and train real estate agents, I say, all right, guys, grab your phone, give it to the person next to you, count how many phone calls they made the day before and you're not allowed to count the mum, the dad or the partner. Right? Because people people tell this little story but your phone actually tells the story. So, oh, I was on the phone all day and I go, okay, well, make sure you don't make phone calls from the desktop because you can't count those desktop phone calls. I'm sure you can with technology but make the phone call from your mobile and then that way we can count it every day. So what I used to do is try and make so many phone calls that you couldn't actually see the day before and it's about 88. Okay, 88. And then what's your follow-up process? Do you, are you religious? Do you, what's your system? Are you more a manual system or do you use a database? What's your system yeah, so, in terms of making the calls and following up yeah I, i've got a um, lead tracking system that so well years ago and i well obviously i'm not at loan market anymore um and i'm now mortgage advice bureau but mortgage advice bureau have a what's called mab refer um and it's a crm database um so i track all my phone calls all my emails um i track my whole team um we track our conversion our speed as well so uh, when a lead comes in um, leads have to be called within four hours so I can track my whole team on how fast they got to phone calls and how fast they got to emails Um, and then that way I can train my brokers moving forward as well yeah I love the tracking speed Um, because it's so key isn't it and one of those conversion pieces speed is so important and um yeah just in terms of you know i think brokers become brokers because they want to be self-employed and not be controlled by people but if you want to be super successful you need to be controlled by the customer and the referral partner you know that that is the control right and the only way to put control measures in there is to have the accountability of yourself um you know, otherwise you just start going, oh, well, I was fine today and I did enough today, even though those five leads came through, I'll call them on Monday. But as soon as your, if your conversion rate, you know, and it's starting to show that it took you 25 hours to get to that lead, well, guess what, Tim, you're not getting any more leads next week because your speed, your speed to that lead wasn't good enough. So what that will do in my business is it'll, it'll determine how many leads do I give the brokers that work with me um, because they were either, um, you know, fast enough, slow enough, their conversion rate, etc. So it's it's teaching the new generation, but with a system. I I probably didn't need a system because I was already a bit obsessed with it, but I'm trying to throw my obsession into the next system. And how do you track speed? The system tracks it, so you have to. You have to make a phone call and you've got to update the data system, the the, the CRM, and mm. then that says how quick did you get to the lead once it came through. Yeah, okay. I see. So the, it's from when it was entered in the CRM to when you called and there's the measure. 
correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love it. I mean, there's a couple of things that I just want to sort of touch on. I mean, first, you know, it was that training your team. You train them daily. And um, I, I use the analogy quite often with sports teams, right? You look at, you know, the unprofessional teams, you know, they might play touch football and they don't train at all, right? They just rock up with their mates and have a beer after the game. There's no training. And then you've got the next level up, which is yep. your park footy. And, you know, they might train once a week. And then as you go up to A grade, they might train two, twice a week. But then when you get the professional level, they train on a daily basis. And so I love, you know, going back to what you said around the team, that you train them on a daily basis, which obviously gets them to that level where they know more than you in their roles because they're specialists at it, right? And then um, the other thing that, you know, has really hit me is around just the importance of setting those goals to the, to the point where you hit the exact number that you wrote down 12 months earlier and you were three mil above on the dollar value um, point. Yep. But it just shows... I've done you know, that every year. Every, every year I've, so even when I... I and I can roll this off quite quickly because I, I looked at it. I looked at it on my whiteboard every single day. The year that I wanted to ride 100 mil, I knew that it was eight, you know, 8.888 reoccurring. I knew that I had to see. I think my average loan size at the time was $320,000. I knew that I had to see 18 people per week. My conversion rate wasn't as good because I was new. So there's all these different things that come out of. You know, what did you do last year and what are you doing this year? Like I, I had a bit of a saying last year. My saying was think like a new broker but with support. So I had these little weird sayings for the yeah. year and, and people saying, what, what does that mean? I go, well, new brokers are so hungry. You know, they are motivated and they want every deal and they want to do the right thing by the customer and they want to answer and reply with beautiful emails and they want to get back to a customer straight away and send a text message straight away. So new brokers are keen as, but they have no support. It's definitely. Right? So you know, in a relationship sense, it's like that first date mentality, isn't it, right? Yeah. You know, it's showing up like it's the first date, you know, and that's um, exactly what you're saying from um, thinking like a, a new broker. You're there, you're hungry, you're, you're putting your best foot forward. No, get yeah. out of it bed in the morning and you're hungry so being a thinking like a new broker 10 years in with great support and then you have a great attitude to each day you, your team feels that too because my my job's not just to write business for myself so that I'm you know financially successful it's about making sure that my team are growing inside my team now um, because I've got to make sure that I keep generating business and growing and moving forward so that they have a career path. Um, mm. So that's how I see my business moving forward. I heard a, a, a great um, thing the other day talking about sales and that sales is a transfer of energy, right? It's so if you're bringing that you know, new broker mentality and you're bringing that emotion into the sale, you're going to then transfer it to the client, which is obviously then going to believe in what you're doing, which is going to lead to a sale. So, you know, love that. You touched on customers and you also touched on referral partners. So I want to go into referral partners now. Um and we've spoken about speed and something, you know, and I know that, as you said, with um, your wife in the real estate background, and that's been a big part from day one because you had them in your personal training business with real estate agents. So I really want to understand what are the keys to being successful with getting real estate referrals? So I'll probably start with when I, when I first started as a uh, broker, I remember my wife saying, oh, you know, brokers are like, she always had this little funny saying, you like seagulls and you all just, always just want that chip, right? Um, and <laughs> that makes sense, no? Like, yeah. It's like, give me a lead, give me a lead, give me a lead. Yeah. Mine, and, mine, mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And, and 
she said, I, all we ever do was just give you them all the hard ones, give you all the hard ones. And I'm like, I think it's just, and I saw when I first started, I felt like the mortgage broker was down here, right? And the real estate agent saw them, you know, themselves up here and you're just the broker. Now, you and I both know that we can make magic happen. You know, when we, when, when I when I deal with a client, I go, wow, if I hadn't have got that file and that had have gone to an inexperienced broker, that that might not have sold, that might not have sold, that might not have sold. But how do you, you've got to educate these agents on, guess what I do? So no one educated agents. So I thought to myself, all right, I'm going to, so I've, I've got about five or six different campaigns that I run and I actually go out and train agents. So I'll go to their office. They usually come to me now. So I've got a boardroom. We sit there and I'll talk to them. And I've run auction campaigns on if you had have sent me the lead, this is how that auction might have changed. So I've spent the last 10 years coming up with different training programs and training agents. So now when people think around this area, it's quite funny. A real estate agent around the area will say, hey, you've got to go speak to Josh because he's amazing and he's good at what he does, et cetera. And then the client then goes into another another real estate agent, you know, five k's down the road. They also mention my name, and then when they're on the train and they're going to work the next day, I'm on the train station as well. So, but it's there's a whole lot of agents around this area that trust me now because of the training that I've done with them. So I'm I am seen as the expert because every single week I tell them tell them what's happening. I've, I've trained hundreds of agents around the local area and they actually go, hey, if he doesn't get it, then we might not get the loan through. Oh, and that's amazing. I love that. I mean, there's so many levels in terms of what you were saying that I sort of want to unpack. So one, you're not going in with your hand out like that seagull asking for the chip. You're going in giving, right? And so... What you're giving is not necessarily um, leads and referrals, but I'm sure there is that. You're giving education, right? You're teaching them um, how to look for opportunities and you're adding value not just from a a financial level but from an educational level, which is going to help them be better at what they're doing, which is selling real estate Um, and so you position then your service as a vehicle to help them be better at what they do correct and so then so from a relationship level what that does it it takes you from you know from the seagull to the ceo almost um, and because then they suddenly can see you as a vehicle for growth for themselves and you know, through studying, you know, lots of human behavior and you know, people love when they can see growth and they can see a reason to deal with you. And so your level of relationship with those guys is not transactional, it's a much deeper and a more profound relationship. So love it. I love I, it. And that's what I always say to even new agents. I'm like, you don't, I said, you can, you can send me the hard ones if you want to, but what I'd like to do is every time someone's subject to finance, how about, because I always say to them, how about you give me a call, I'll just make sure that they're with the right bank and I don't even have to do the deal. It's not even important for me to do the deal. Um, however, I'd like to win it because that's my job, to win it, mm. right? But I'll, I'll just make sure that they're, their broker knows what they're doing and they're with the right bank and that way your vendor is happy and comfortable. Now, the agents always go, why would you do that? I go, well, because I just want to help you sell more property. If I can help you sell more property, you'll trust me and you'll probably send me a lead here or there and that's okay. But it's all, all about making sure that you don't have to deal with your vendor for the next four weeks. So even this COVID-19 time, I, I saw it was a massive opportunity to reach out to a whole lot of different referral partners that I've never actually worked with. And I just started sending them content on, this is how the banks are doing this right now. Um, Did you want me to help your landlords reprice 
any of their loans. Um, we don't have to refinance anyone, but are happy to reprice them for free. doesn't cost you anything. So when you're just adding value all the time, they're like, why is this guy doing this? Now, you pick up leads left, right and centre from doing that. And I, I do remember a, a real estate director last year, he came out to our office and we did a training session for an hour and he said to me at the end, he goes, do you even want any leads? And I said, no, I'm really busy, to be honest. He said, I've never heard a broker talk about just helping all the time instead of saying, and this is how you give me a lead and this is how you give me a lead. Now, of course I want leads. I just don't ask for them. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of it. And, you know, I've just finished reading a book, a great book. It's called um, The Go-Giver on Selling. And it's a guy by the name of Bob Berg. And it's all about adding value, right? And, you know, exactly what you're doing is you're not going out there looking for business. You're going out to add value. And, you know, it's key, you know, when people are looking at developing relationships, whether it's with, you know, a real estate agent, whether it's an accountant, financial planner, solicitor. I love it how, you know, the meeting should be understanding their needs in terms of how you can add value to them and their business first. Right? And that's where the relationships build. And I love the way that you marketed yourself by finding out what was, you know, the information that they need to know at the time, which around COVID, obviously, think of everything that's changed and it's still changing. Policy is changing on a day-to-day basis. You know, there's, there's you know, new first home buyer schemes, so many different things that as a broker, it's even hard to keep up with, let alone if you're trying to keep a transaction together in real estate, right? Yeah. So there is so many areas that we can add value to to these guys. So I love that you've sort of packaged that up and, um, you know, you're, you're giving that, you know, as a real value um, to your real estate agents. Um, it really sort of positions you as that market authority in that space. It's been, a, it's been a great time to build more relationships during this time, to be honest. Definitely. And, you know, I quite often ask that question, when is the best time to develop the relationship? Is it when the real estate market's going gangbusters and these real estate agents can sell it, you know, the properties sell themselves virtually, you know, because there's so much demand in in the market. So is the best time to try to build a relationship with a real estate agent then or is the best time, you know, when, you know, they're doing a bit tough and and they they need some some assistance? Now's the time. So especially around my area, it's very auction-driven. So a lot of being, a lot of real estate agents around this area have never really needed a broker because they know that it sells on a weekend um, under auction conditions and then they just wipe their hands off it and off they go. So I, I actually made a few phone calls to a few agents that, and one guy said, who, who are you? Who are you even? Never heard of you before. And I said, oh, it's being honest, it was a little bit arrogant. I said, you haven't heard of me is because you sell everything under the hammer. You've never had to worry about a subject finance clause, etc. However, here's my details. You probably might need to call me in the next month or so. I said, because just about every single person will be doing subject finance. Brokers are telling clients to do subject finance if possible. Um, I said, so here's my card. Anyway, I've done a few loans for his clients already now because he's like, all right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, it is an interesting time with COVID in terms of we have to, yeah, be a little bit more creative. You, we were talking earlier, you're in lockdown in Melbourne as we as we speak. And, you know, as you say, your phone is, is going, you know, not ringing as much as what um, it used to. But, you know, solutions like this to be, you know, creative um, to, to be able to continue to write business. And what I'm finding, and I deal with a lot of the top brokers in my coaching program, um, is that the top brokers are still killing it, right? They're, they're still, um, because they just find a way. 
they find a solution to to hit their numbers. So, yeah, well, what are some of the strategies that you're sort of going back to now in these sort of more difficult times? Look, I said there's nothing better than going back and just combing through your your clients and a, that's always going to help you build a business anyway because if you're if you're repricing a client and even leaving them where they are and not refinancing them, taking them somewhere else, you know that they're going to talk to their friends and family about that over the coming weeks. You know, my broker did this. So, you know, I do make a point to say, hey, you know that not a lot of brokers do this or some brokers do it. Some don't have the team to be able to do it because they are already too busy. Um, so, you know, on weekends or when they're talking to a friend, oh, well, my broker just repriced our loan. Um, and saved us this. So straight away, you start getting refinances out of that. Now, at the start of the year, well, actually, last year, I had a, a, a different mantra, just work on first home buyers. Now, I know that brokers don't like to focus on first home buyers, and you don't want to be a first home buyer broker. But during the Royal Commission, because things were changing, calculators were changing, and policies were changing, and people couldn't borrow as much, I knew that the first home buyers could still borrow. Right, so they can always afford something because they didn't have anything to start with. So I have had a big focus of working with first home buyers again. So I did it ten years ago, and then your business starts to strengthen up, and you've got existing clients and investment clients, etc. But a lot of those clients have fallen off, so they're they're probably sitting on their hands. Whereas first home buyers are like, well, if my job's safe and I'm comfortable, I'm ready to go. So. Um, those areas are still moving, to be honest. So a lot of first home buyers and a lot of refinances. Yeah, so it's you know it's being nimble enough to change your business. And again, you said it was it's been ten years since you dealt with first home buyers, and you come back to first home buyers because that's where the business is, right? So you're creative enough and understanding where the market's at to really focus on that. And I think I always you know, find. Brokers are quite quite funny sometimes. They, they say, I'm an investment specialist, you know, and they pigeonhole themselves with a certain brokerage type or I'm a, I think to, to be a really, now I don't do commercial, so I stay away from that because I think the resi part is it keeps you busy enough and you have to be, you have to specialise in a certain area. But what we do do is I like working with first home buyers um, you know, we, we come across a lot of um, debt problems over the last 18 months. So, you know, you start to learn a few different policies here and there. But it's great to have an overall look at your book and go, okay, well, we do do some construction. We work with first home buyers and there's a lot of investment clients there. There's self-employed clients. And then you end up having a better and stronger brokerage when things like this change. Because um, you don't want to be the investment broker, especially right now. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the ability to do that. And obviously, it's great to have a niche. And, you know, you've really carved that sort of niche from real estate, you know, with real estate. And that's True. your sort of niche that you really focus in on. It makes it easier for you to target with your marketing. But obviously, the leads that you get from that can be a range of things. And then you're nimble enough to where you're sort of focusing um, your marketing on in any specific time, given the market that's, at, that's there at the moment. I mean, so much value from this uh, chat, Josh. We could sort of chat all day, but I sort of want to, you know, start to wrap it up. But um, one of the questions I ask, you know, a lot of people on my podcast is, if you were to give one tip, um, for a new broker coming into the industry that's sort of looking to scale and sort of get to the heights where you, you've got in terms of writing over a billion dollars worth of mortgages, um, what, what would that sort of tip be to sort of uh, to really scale your business? I think, I think brokers, first of all, sometimes don't come to this business with a a big enough cash pile to be able to fund their business moving forward. Does that make sense? Because it's it's such a cheap entry business. You know, you can start saying, well, I live at home with my parents and I'm just going to start right now. 
I you need to you need to put money into your business, and I don't think a lot of brokers do that. That's that's I, I don't think they spend enough on marketing. Um, they don't spend enough on helping their business grow. So try and have a buffer of money where you start to employ people before you even need them. You know, everyone says oh, I'm not going to put that person on. You should because that's what's exactly. going to help you. I think that's key, and I think you know the 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 difference in just the wording rather than spend i'm going to invest in that you know and i i think it wasn't until i became a real property investor under that understood the power of leverage that it actually made me a better business person because you realize that the best place to invest is in yourself mm-hmm. and in yep. your own business you know you're going to get the biggest returns by far um yep. by doing that so uh so much gold yeah, that comes down to numbers too. So I've always let's say let's say you you pay a team member sixty thousand dollars. Now we know that you have to write maybe fifteen mil to make sure that that's covered. So how many loans do you need to do to have a full time person sitting there and assisting? Like it's again working out those numbers. Definitely, yeah. Investing ahead of growth, working out what your numbers. And then, as you said, committing yourself to doing those activities, the 88 calls a day, to make sure that you're going to get to the numbers which you've done each and every year and your business continues to grow and and continues to thrive. So, um, yeah, it's no doubt in terms of in in having this chat why you have been so successful and uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners would have gained so much. So thanks so much for, for being part of the show. Thanks for having me, mate. Well, this has been another edition of the Billion Dollar Broker. Uh, we have a Facebook group called the Business Billion Dollar Broker page. So uh, join the page and make sure you subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it's been great. I've loved talking to Josh and uh, we'll talk to you soon.